Job 20. Just about halfway through the book of Job. You're, I hope it doesn't cause a sigh in your, oh my goodness, we only halfway through after all this so far. I'm telling you, we're getting to the good part. When we get to the end, uh, when we get to those last chapters there, it's going to be, uh, it's been good so far, but we're going to talk about for three chapters, God goes on about who he is. Absolutely amazing. It's going to be great. Until that time, we got, tonight we got so far as last stand, or Job falsely accused, however you want to title it for your own personal notes. You'll have three Ps here shortly. Uh, not a pod, but you'll have three Ps uh, to go in there. Uh, then answered Zophar, I'm reading from Job 20, verse 1, if you're following online or listening online or down the road somewhere. Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spear of my understanding causeth me to answer. That's sort of intro. Here we go. Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment? Though his excellency mount up to the heavens, and his head reach into the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? He shall fly away as a dream and shall not be found. Yea, he shall be chased away as a vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more, neither shall his place any more behold him. Or behold him. His children shall seek to please the poor, and his hands shall restore their goods. His bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in the dust. Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth, yet his meat is in his bowels is turned his meat in his bowels is turned or turned sour. It is the gall of asps within him. He has swallowed down riches, and he shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of asps or cobras. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter, but which he labored for shall he restore and shall not swallow it down. According to his substance shall the restitution be, and he shall not rejoice therein, because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not. Surely, foreclosure, Surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not say for that which he desired. There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. In the fullness of his sufficiency he shall be in straits. Every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. When he is about to fill his belly, God will cast the fury of his wrath upon him and shall rain it upon him while he is eating. He shall flee from the iron weapon, and the bow of steel shall strike him through. He is drawn and cometh out of the belly. Yea, the glittering sword cometh out of his gall. Terrors are upon him. <clears throat> Excuse me. All darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire shall a fire not blown it shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left in his tabernacle. The heaven shall reveal his iniquity, and the earth shall rise up against him. The increase of his house shall depart, and his goods shall flow away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion of a wicked man from God, and the heritage appointed unto him by God. I'm sure glad that Zophar is done speaking. And I read it that way because I, this is 
a man who is absolutely ready to lower the boom and does so on Job. You know, if Job was some walking high, wide, and handsome and living in abject uh, pride and glowingly having everything at his footstool, we might see those words, but he speaks them to Job, who is in abject misery. It's, it's uncalled for. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that I would say nothing amiss but these few moments together. May we be challenged to guard our words also that when we have words falsely accused against us, we will be able to trust you through all these things. Lord, help me tonight. Help me to serve you, and may my words be clear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sticks, and uh, this is a pair of, uh, little bit of a variation. This is uh, like a variation in fugue. This is a variation. Sticks and stones may break my bones, and words also very much can devastate me. Oh, but pastor is supposed to say, and words can never harm me or hurt me. That's a baloney on that. And so words can very much devastate us. So it's Zophar's parting shot, Zophar's last stand, or Job falsely accused. You can take whatever title that you like. Uh, someone at Chuck Swindoll summarizes by this chapter by saying, the most treacherous enemy in the church is the tongue. The human tongue has done more damage and caused more heartaches than any other source of trouble. What we say cuts far deeper than any knife or sword. The Bible occasionally presents the tongue as a sword that thrusts its way into others' lives, causing deep and lingering hurt. Psalm 57 verse 4, and their tongue a sharp sword. We are not surprised, therefore, then, that the, to read one of the Ten Commandments, commandment number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Solomon wrote the Proverbs, uh, in Saul, uh, Proverbs 6, 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, God hates those things. Nevertheless, liars are on the loose, and they will always will be until we're in heaven, and we've all been cured of our sin, and we've been uh, restored to a perfect environment, and we have our sin eradicated in heaven as believers on the new earth. It will happen there, but, but up until that point in time, liars abound. We understand that. And if you've ever been falsely accused, I need to remind you of the pain of that and how hard it is sometimes to defend yourselves, perhaps hardly. It's harder to not defend yourselves, to keep your mouth in control and not let go. You try, but folks are hard to convince. Once they've heard convincing lies, it is hard. I'm telling you, evolution has such a hold on the world and our own country at large. It's hard. I mean, they just even want to hear anything about how God created this or the world by his mighty power. And so it takes such hold. Now, the venom from a poisoned tongue has already taken its toll often and in the courage to stand up. And Job needs courage to stand up against Zophar, which we'll see next time. How he responds. Now, characters in the Bible. Were there any falsely accused characters in the Bible? Oh, yes. How about Joseph? Joseph had attained the pinnacle of things in Potiphar's house, and then his wife uh, keeps rolling her eyes at him and gets him back and puts him back in her head. She rolls her eyes at him, and then he rejects that, and then he gets called out for it and put in prison. Moses. Moses gives up his rest of his life from 80 on to, to lead the children out of, out of Egypt, as you well know. And then once they get out of there, oh, you just brought us out of here to kill us out here, Moses. False cute. David. He kills the giant. He, he, he gives the great victory to Israel. And then the king himself accuses him falsely of trying to take over. How undeserving. Nehemiah accused of wanting to be king of Judah. How untrue that was. Peter and John accused of preaching a false gospel and they were beaten for it. Paul accused of, of being a phony convert in 926 of Acts. The other disciples didn't want anything to do with, with Paul. 
excuse me, Saul at that point in time because of his, his reputation went before him, accused falsely. How people, it seems to exaggerate things and store how exaggeratory stories get. Later accused, Paul was accused by Felix, or excuse me, Festus, much learning doth make thee mad. You're insane, Paul. Probably the most sane one of all of them around. And how about Jesus himself? Man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. From his public ministry on, accusing a, we be not born of fornication. What an awful thing to say to the Savior. Because he ate with sinners, a drunkard. He was accused of that. Pharisees accused him of being demon-possessed. You're casting out demons by Beelzebub. Blasphemy. Matter of fact, before the cross, accused of blasphemy and tyranny. Unfair. In Matthew chapter 5, I'd remind us, if you want to hold your spot in Job, look at Matthew 5 for just a moment, 11 and 12. Remind you of these verses regarding false accusations. Matthew 5, 11 says for us here, Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your what? Reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. So if you're undergoing this false accusations right now in any part of your life, rejoice. Read that again. Great is your reward in heaven. So Zophar enters accusing Job uh, of the second time of accusing Job. We find in chapter 20, verse 1, Then answered Zophar, the name of Thite, Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I can, I make haste. I, I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causes me to answer. So Zophar is going to give his parting shot. Uh, it's not even a shot across, across the bow. I think it's a shot right at the main belly of Job's own uh, mind, or Job's own character, if you would. Discussion has not gone as he wanted. God is, is obviously punishing Job in his mind's eye. Matter of fact, in 11.6, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. My goodness gracious, he is not, does not have the gift of charity. He assumes the old ground of Zophar, retracts nothing of what he has said earlier on, and like many of his, of his complexion in present day, he determined to believe that his judgment was infallible, and he could not be in error. Job obviously is the one who has to be in error because he, Zophar the Great, I'm not calling him that, cannot make a mistake. He was not gentle. It comes out like with both barrels blazing, if you would. Some one man said he had nothing new to say to Job, but he says it with passion. Another man says this regarding Zophar. Zophar is the hottest and most violent of the three friends, and his impassioned harangue is marked by, at once by a fanatical fierceness, an unmitigated coarseness that are unequaled in the other parts of the drama. According to the zealot, speaking of Zophar, the wheels of God grind quickly. When the zealot Zophar makes his own opinions and sentiment as the standard of divinity, he says, then is a manifold or magnified Zophar on the throne of the universe. He is continually grinding Job down to exalt himself. And he's, it's like, I know what God says and God believes and I'm speaking for God and this is the box and we cannot see beyond it because God has confined himself. That's his idea. And well, wicked are punished. 
the, the godly are, re, are blessed, and so you're being punished, you're wicked. And so that's the end of the story. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anything else. Tell me nothing else. And that's his idea. I don't want to hear anything else. But Job is not, that's the problem of this whole thing, is Job has not done anything wrong. Matter of fact, if you read in chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you want to turn over just a moment, I remind you of chapter 1, verse 1 of this wonderful book in the Old Testament. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. End of chapter 1, verse 8 there. And the Lord said to Satan, chapter 1, 8, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil, sheweth evil. 22, And in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Chapter 2, verse 10, Shall we not receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil in all this? He did not, did, this did not Job sin, or not Job sin with his lips. Job was the picture, if you want, of spiritual maturity. He was a man who walked with God. Of all the people you're going to start haranguing on, Job's the wrong one to pick on. So three things, you're jotting down three Ps, perishing, pleasures, and punishment. The first of all, 4 to 11, we see perishing Job. He wants Job to understand the wicked do not have long to live. They do not live long at all. Now, again, the major problem with these three messages of perishing pleasures and punishment is that he's got it wrong because Job does not... Job is outside his scope of understanding. It's when you and I try to put God in a box and say, I know all that God... Can we just let God be God and we be man? And he does some things I just don't understand. And we've got to say, Lord, I am trusting you in all of this, as Job did. Everything for Zophar is reduced to simplistic axioms. That's why he, he will not, the brevity of life. I mean, my goodness gracious, you're evil. God's going to end your life soon. They're sort of like, as Talbert says, an electrical tension that pulsates beneath the verses in verse 2. Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, reproof of my insulting correction, and the spirit of my understanding causes me to answer. What he's saying is, you've insulted me, Job, by what you have said, and I'm going to respond to that, but I don't think anything Job said was insulting. Job was just sharing his heart. I don't... And so, but he could not handle it. So let's continue right on. Verse 4, Knowest thou not, knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment? Zophar sees Job as wicked, therefore he believes he is his responsibility then to tell Job you're doing wrong, the wicked suffer short. I want to say to the world, you are selling yourselves out for a morsel of bread, and you're going to spend eternity apart from God because you are so... Hep, he, um, so sold to the ideology of today. What about eternity? Six. Though his excellency mount up to the heavens and his head reach into the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, where is he? Jo Zophar was annoyed at Job's penchant for poking holes and his arguments about the wicked because he, wicked are doing fine over there and I'm unwicked and I'm doing poorly over here. But that doesn't fit the mold. The mold, mold doesn't fit the mold. So Zophar is struggling with that. Zophar is struggling so far that every trace of him is suddenly vanishes 7 through 11. Yea, he shall perish forever like his own dung. 
They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? He shall fly away as a dream. He shall not be found. Yea, he shall not be. Cha- he shall be chased away in a vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more. Now remember Hebrew poetry repetition to uh, just elaborate more on what the idea is. Neither shall his place any more behold him. His children shall seek to please the poor, and his hands shall restore their goods. His bones are full of the sin of his youth. He shall lie down with him in the dust. I'm telling you, he is not an encouraging person. This Mr. Zophar, it's verbal posturing. He's implying that Job's life is convoluted and twisted and strange. Uh, It's hard for us to grasp. Now, we have the advantage of having God's word. And I was told Stephanie tonight, Job faced all that, and he didn't have, you know, uh, I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He didn't have that song to hum. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He, he didn't have that song to sing. He, matter of fact, he had very little of the Scripture at all at this point in time, and yet he kept trusting the Lord in the midst of that, even in the midst of all these verbal, I'm telling you, Job was a man of God and remained and kept his integrity. He said some things that were a little bit, you know, out of, out of uh, a little bit in the outfield, but he kept his integrity. He still trusted God, and God rewarded him. But he did not know the reward was coming during this. Do you see that? He was expecting to die. This youth, those bones of the youth in 11, uh, lying down with those in the dust, he's not talking about natural causes. He is, he's saying it's due to God's judgment. And in effect, because you have lived as you have lived, because you have kept your secret sins from us, while all of us thought you were righteous, judgment will soon come. What Zophar lacked intact, he made up for in cruelty. He's a wonderful friend to have. Now, it started out good. We sort of digressed from what they were. Can you imagine Job enduring this while he's sitting in the ash heap, scraping his sores, pulling the worms out of his flesh? Not only was there the perishing, there's the pleasure starting at 12. The sin he secretly relishes will turn to cobra venom and cause him to vomit up all that he has swindled wealth. Though wickedness twelve be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, mm, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth, yet his meat is in his bowels, is turned to it is turned or turned sour, it is the gall of ass within him. The evil man's wicked deeds, especially the robbing of the poor, are tasty food, then all of a sudden they turn sour. But remember, Job has not done wrong. He's not done wrong. 15, he shall suck the ass, poison of ass. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the, uh, the brooks of honey and butter. By the way, honey and butter is a great invention. Whoever invented honey butter on, on, on rolls from a Texas roadhouse, man, that, whoever invented that, wow, that's the cat's meow. Cats probably like the butter too. I'm not sure. They're not getting any. We find that uh, he will not see all those things because, and here Zophar slyly accuses Job indirectly that he's crushed and forsaken the poor and seized their property because he has appointed and has forsaken the poor because he has violently taken away in a house which he built not. I'm telling you, it's a lie. That's a false accusation. Job has not done that. God would have mentioned that or not given him the A plus credentials of spirituality had he been doing that. This closing blows of Zophar must have hurt these false accusations, insults, condemning words, the accusations against Job, how unfair it was. All is to say your pleasures are over, Job. The gig's up. Your wickedness is finally caught up with you. 
Does any wonder why God is so much comes down hard on false witnesses who utter lies, how devastating it is. And third, not only perishing pleasures, but punishment. Starting about verse 20. He wants to affirm of God's judgment falls hard on the wicked. Nothing he loves will be left when God rains wrath upon him. Surely he shall, verse 20, feel quietness in his belly. He shall not, not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save that which he desired. There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods, etc., etc. God's judgment is going to shadow him and gut him. 40, 24, he shall flee from the iron weapon and the bow of steel shall strike him through. It is drawn and cometh out of the belly. Yea, the glittering sword cometh out of his gall. Terrors are upon him. Nothing awaits but consuming fire, shameful exposure, total loss. 26, all darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire not blown shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left in his tabernacle. The heavens shall reveal his iniquity and the earth shall rise up against him. The increase of his house shall depart and his goods shall flow away in the day of his wrath. That's what God gives the wicked in Zophar's mind without fail. This is the portion of a wicked man from God and the heritage appointed to him by God. One commentator said, this is the last time we hear from Zophar and we will not miss him. And we won't miss Mr. Zophar and all his negative words, Mr. Negativity. Swindoll quips this regarding this verse. In life, tragically, some people are so harmful and demoralizing, the best thing they can do is to ride off into the sunset and never return. Since they made everyone so miserable, addition by subtraction. Good riddance, Mr. Zophar. That is the way we feel about the Zophars of our lives. The best thing you can do is just simply ride off into the boom, 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 and never to be seen. And you can go live happily ever after. Just don't come back. This, the narrowness of, of Zophar's belief. But I want to just, uh, before we close up, I want just a little bit on the side of Zophar. We can't absolutely condemn him for everything because the basic understanding of his theology is correct. God does often judge the wicked with ferocity. I mean, you look at the Old Testament. You look at Sodom and Gomorrah, deservedly so, and Zeboim, and what another, I can't remember, Adma, Adma, Zeboim, Sodom and Gomorrah, Zor was spared. Those four cities God absolutely and rightly so annihilated. And so, look back in history, yes, God does punish the wicked quickly and with ferociousness at times. So, the orthodox, the orthodox, the teaching is generally correct that underlines the arguments of Zophar. It is the inferences and applications of a basically correct theological posture, but that's what throws his arguments off. He won't read outside the box. They have hammered just general principles so hard, it's like an ironclad, one-size-fits-all modus operandi. This is how God works, and you can't get out of it. And we understand God. We're going to put God... You ever wonder why God said, make no graven image? Because how can you make an image of God? He's beyond everything. He made everything. How can you make an image of God? But we've got our little theological mindset. We've got our systematic theology. And God does only these things. Bad is punished. Good is rewarded. Bad is punished. So Job is bad. So he must be being punished because he is bad. Bad people get punished. They won't see outside that God allows. Does God want every single Christian healed of their diseases? No. Why? Because he wants to teach us things. 
He wants us to turn to Him. He wants us to look to Him. And Lord, I have nowhere else to turn but You. <laughs> about time, Tim. It's about time. You're right on track now. I want you to turn to me before that, but if, if nothing else, we'll get you to that point eventually if, if, you keep, if you keep hanging on and trying to do stuff on your own. But listen carefully before we pray. Listen to this. Nevertheless, regarding Zophar, there was enough empirical observed evidence around them to modify his theology. But their certainty that their theology answered indeed every question, explained every incident, and implied to every instance was wrong. One of the humbling messages of Job is that man does not know nearly so much about God and his ways as he thinks he does. The point for now is when theology clearly conflicts with reality, one need not abandon one's theology nor ignore reality. Acknowledge reality... Cling to the theology we do know and be willing to admit there may be just some, maybe there are some few things that we do not yet know about Almighty God. And that's it. Zophar, Bildad, Elihu, perhaps a few weeks, can't think of the guy's name. They are, they are, this is our theology and this is, it goes no further. We have to get beyond that. God's ways are not my ways. He is wonderful. He is God, and we are not. Let us pray. His about eyes are closed. Do Lord, help us as we think about this text. Lord, Job undergoing such a verbal assault. He who was so innocent, not perfect, but he was innocent of the accusations. Who is suffering in abject misery like none of us, I would dare say, have ever experienced. Lord willing, we never have to experience. And yet the friends who started out so well would not see beyond the nose on our face, theologically speaking, and to see that God may have reasons for doing things that we just don't know. Lord, I will admit for all of us tonight in this room, we're not God, and you are. Help us sometimes just to pray the prayer. And allow you to hear the prayer, and we step back and wait for you to answer. Not be demanding. In his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So Lord, we worship you tonight. May we keep our focus upon you. Just name I pray. Amen.